0: think you can be creative and not be an artist and I feel like uh, being an artist is awesome and there are so many great artists I admire uh, but I feel like art is something that comes from within that you want to say it's your message to the world and uh, design or commerce uh, or where I come from is trying to get someone else's message out there
1: and I agree with her Art does come from within, so it's important to know and understand what's going on inside of you as an artist. So what's the difference between being creative or being an artist? We talk about that, and as always, so much more this week on the Story Podcast. While Story invites us to ask powerful questions, your life and your story are shaped by the questions you ask. Where is your curiosity pointing? What is the story that you ache
0: to tell. The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories.
1: To be a writer, we have to sit down and we have to do the work, and we don't get up
0: until it's finished. Your greatest work may not be seen by millions of people. Keep making anyway. Rise up, artists. Your canvas is the consciousness of this generation. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers.
1: A few months ago, I got the chance to visit the offices of the award-winning digital agency, ISL. While there, we hosted a gathering for the story community in the DC area. It was an absolute blast. And during the evening, I got to sit down and record this interview with one of ISL's creative directors, Maggie Gowden hello let's have a seat yes and let's chat you've worked on some cool stuff here at isl
0: yes i mean i've been here for almost five years and almost everything we do is extremely cool so yes
1: yes and then there's this yeah yeah this is gonna be cool too i'm excited to dig into some of your stories see how you ended up here um and then kind of some of the stuff that you have learned along the way so Senior art director, you worked on everything from Volkswagen campaigns. Um, is there any cash left in the Mr. Robot thing, by the way? I don't
0: think so. Okay, dang. It was a couple okay. years ago. I feel like it's probably spit out all the cash
1: But can. you guys won some awards over the Mr. Robot.
0: Yeah, I some think... Work. Uh, that was impressive. Uh, fun story. I'm actually a, technically a can-winning actress for my work on Mr. Robot because I put on a mask and walked onto set, and it won a can lion. So...
1: Wow, we're in the midst of a can line winner. That's awesome. What a
0: weird thing to be, right?
1: (laughs) I'm curious. So that's like technically your title here at ISL is Senior Art Director and you get to work on cool projects all the time. We're going to get into sort of what led to that moment. Um, But I'm curious, like if you were out on a plane or walking around the city or you meet up with a group of friends and they're like, Maggie, what do you do? Do you just lead with your title and say, I'm a senior art director? or how do, you, would, how do you describe your work? I'm curious how you would describe it in your own words.
0: That's a good question. I feel like with uh, creative professions, it can be really hard to describe what you do in a sentence or even a paragraph, but I think I would say that I try to help uh, brands bring experiences to life. So whether that's something for like an airline or something for a coffee shop or something for Mr. Robot, uh, bringing a set design to life, a commercial, um, or even tiny squares of social content, Uh, It's always about making people smile or making some sort of experience happen.
1: That's awesome. So let's go back to the very beginning then. What led to that? When did you start telling stories and doing helping brands or creating your own brands or when did it all begin?
0: My first brand. Well, uh, I created my first business when I was eight years old with my best friend. We wanted to make a baking business. I don't remember why, but something about business uh, really appealed to me at the time and we would sit in my kitchen and bake like chocolate chip cookies and apple crisp and sell them for like $5. And my mom's friend at work would always buy the apple crisp for $5. And I was like, this is great, we have $20. Uh, You know, we could go to the movies or something. And uh, my mom did not tell me at the time that she was paying for all of the ingredients, letting us use her house for free. Um, We were losing money, this was a money losing endeavor. (laughs) But I was eight years old, it was great. And it kind of taught me that business is really, really fun. So uh, I kept trying to kind of like turn everything I would do into a little business. And um, a few years later, decade or so, um, my partner and I shot our first wedding together as part of a starting a wedding photography business. And we were sure it was going to be great. We spent all of our savings on these two little cameras and we went... uh, and kind of tagged along and shot this wedding, and it was really fun, Um, but, like, the cool part was that we kind of got to take all these photos and tell this story of these people's wedding day however we wanted to. It was totally up to us, right? So we have this, like, photo of them in front of the place where they got married, and they're, like, so happy, and the building is huge, and it just felt like such a really unique moment, you know, and it's such an important moment for them. They still have the photo in their house and they're like family friends and it's just so cool to see that we were a part of that. Uh, so, you know, years later we're still kind of shooting the weddings and trying to figure out how, how does this business happen? So I would say like as, as all of these businesses kind of evolved, we were figuring out like, what is your position? Why are you here? Why are we doing this thing? What is it that's great about taking photos of somebody's wedding? And why is that something that I'm passionate about? And it's been so different every single time, but it's always so cool to just see making people happy, you know, seeing their smiles when they're getting married or seeing how they look at their photos or seeing a client who has like a great campaign launch and everyone who's experiencing that campaign is so happy. I'm kind of a sucker for like a giant smile. So I don't know. (laughs) It seems like that's what I do.
1: Maggie talks about smiling a lot. You've probably already noticed that. And if not, trust me, you will. Making people happy, it's, it's like her engine. It makes her come alive. And the first time she ever encountered ISL, way back when she was in college, she knew it was the place that she wanted to be. She designed an app to present to the company the week before she graduated. They liked the app, and they hired her as a designer. And she's been there ever since.
0: We started, uh, my first project was working on a skill crane, like the claw machine that connects to the internet. And I worked on it with Mike, who is sitting back here somewhere. And it was for Nickelodeon. So we built this whole machine that people could, uh, they could control this skill crane and try to win a prize via the internet. We tried to make it easier to win because you never win with those things. Um, And ever since, it's just been a series of these projects and we'll go from, uh, you know, four years ago, it was uh, physical digital machines, which we still make. And then it was websites and we made all of these websites and, uh, you know, really trying to make that experience seamless, fun. And then we started doing set design and making commercials for Volkswagen for all kinds of brands. Um, And then recently we've been doing more brand positioning work. So in the advertising space, seeing how we kind of launch a new latte with Tim Hortons or uh, a new campaign that I cannot talk about for a really awesome brand that you all will see soon. Um, But it's been such an evolution. Everything is different every day. And it's just really fun to get to solve a different problem uh, every day.
1: Yeah, I'm curious, since you've, you've done such a wide variety of work in different roles, such different projects from branding to filmmaking, doing set design, where in that journey, and maybe you didn't, it's okay if you didn't, was there a moment where you had this aha moment where you're like, oh wow, it's all about stories, like I'm, I'm a storyteller, that's the, the thread that all this work I'm doing shares in common is that I'm telling stories.
0: Yeah, so we started, uh, when I started, I definitely don't think I really knew how to tell a story. Um, it's one thing to be able to design a website or design, you know, a poster or something that physically like it looks good, but being able to really sell it and, uh, create the experience for the user or the viewer or the audience that you want to see is a totally different thing. And I feel like as soon as I kind of started to think about it in terms of how will I sell, uh, this website to a client, how will I sell this commercial or how, Will I create the experience I want that person on the other end to have, whether that's someone watching the commercial or someone using the app? Um, it just makes everything so much richer, and it makes that experience so much deeper and more meaningful uh, that I feel like, how can we not tell a story?
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And so now, hey, this goes back to a little bit of what I said earlier, this, this idea of storytellers being the ones that get to decide what the future looks like by just changing narratives. and. How do you wrestle with that tension ever working at a branding agency where your job is to make sure that that product sells better or that people watch that TV show? Is there ever this internal tension between, um, I guess, art and commerce?
0: That's a good question. Uh, so I have strong feelings about art versus commerce. I don't think of myself as an artist at all um, because I love to solve brand problems. Uh, if you ask me to like make a pretty poster, I would fail every time But if you ask me to help you uh, launch your business with needle points in uh, Denver, Colorado to grandmas or only seven-year-old kids, that is a problem I just wanna like dig into. And I feel like it's so fun to figure out that challenge. You build all these walls of constraints and then try to create something awesome within it. Uh, That's what I'm really passionate about. So I would say no art.
1: No art. I would argue that you're very creative. Would Thank you agree
0: you. Uh, I would say everyone is creative in a different way, and I think I'm included there
1: okay, so not all so in your mind, not all artists all artists are creative, but not all creative people should call themselves artists. Is that what you're saying? I think that
0: I think you can be creative and not be an artist, and I feel like uh being an artist is awesome, and there are so many great artists I admire uh, but I feel like. Art is something that comes from within that you want to say it's your message to the world. And uh, design or commerce uh, or where I come from is trying to get someone else's message out there. And, you know, uh, if I was trying to have my own propaganda, you know, Maggie's propaganda, I feel like that would be art, you know, in a a good way. Propaganda can be good. (laughs) but. I, I feel like when I'm talking about a uh, new latte for Tim Hortons, it's awesome, it's creative, and I love doing it, but I don't think it's art. Unpopular opinion. Their
1: sour cream Timbits are art, though.
0: Oh, they're so good. <laughs> they're so good.
1: Okay, so, so along those lines then, what, what is, is there a project that you've worked on here, a client project that you were most passionate about where you found yourself somewhat aligning more than usual, to use your word of propaganda. Like propaganda is how we describe a form of media influencing people, I guess. I'm sure that's not the technical Webster's Dictionary, so I guess, yeah, most people view it as a negative thing, but you know, technically, I guess. So if, to use that word, is there a client project that you worked on where you're like, I'm actually very in alignment with what they are trying to say, um, so therefore there was more passion involved in that project?
0: Interesting, well, Um, A few years ago, I got to lead the design of a gender agnostic period app. Uh, It tracks your period and fertility for anyone who menstruates. And that's something um, I'm really passionate about, sex education and the design of sex education materials. So to be able to make an app that is still in use today um, that you can download out of the app store and see your fertility uh, any day with 97% accuracy is so, so cool. I would say that was absolutely a project that I felt very aligned with.
1: So was that art?
0: I would still say no. (laughs) I mean, so our client uh, worked on this algorithm with Georgetown University and they had all these data scientists who created these formulas and we got to turn that into a usable app that someone can navigate um, easily, anytime, discreetly. That's a challenge. I don't know if it's art.
1: Okay, so you don't, you don't own the word artist, but you do own the word storyteller. Yeah. Okay, so let's dig into some of that. A lot of people are here, and they're just like, I just want to go on with some practical advice. What That is not ISL, patent-protected secret formula. This Ooh. is how we you know, crush it for our clients that you can share with us. Um, someone walks in, you're invited to the meeting, senior art director. Walk us through some of your creative process, tips on how you tell that brand story.
0: Interesting. Well, I would say the process is very long and arduous, but an easy way it's of art. solving it. <laughs> 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 okay. I agree to disagree, but I like your perspective. Um, I would say the easiest way to solve a problem is think about what the end goal that you want to create is. So if you want someone to watch a film that you're making and come away saying, I am going to plant a tree every day for the rest of my life. How do you work backwards from that end goal and create something that will really spark that feeling in that person? Um, Action can be a hard thing to, you know, create in people. It's hard. Someone can watch something on a couch, but it's hard to get them off of that couch doing something. Um, So really thinking about what the trigger is to get people to act um, the way that they want to or the way that you want them to in a non-evil manner. It's pretty important.
1: Why do you say that, non-evil manner?
0: I I think a lot of the terms that uh, people use in advertising can be seen as like puppet master. Um, But I I always really try to make sure that what I'm selling is not something that would hurt people or that people would ever, uh, you know, be negatively impacted by it as much as I can. Now, I know like it's impossible to always be sure of that all the time, but if someone comes to me and says like, I would like you to sell uh, atomic bomb, you know, I can clearly say. I don't think that that is something I would feel comfortable using my brain to perpetuate.
1: Okay, It's okay if you can't speak to this, but is there anything you can speak to on behalf of ISL on how you wrestle with that tension? Someone walks through your door and we're like, we want to work with you guys. We sell atomic bombs. Is it just like, peace out, see ya? Or well, is there this like internal tension that you guys struggle through and try to figure out like, who do we assign this project to? Yeah. No way Maggie's going to take that one, right? <laughs>
0: Well, I can say that we've never worked on any atomic bombs. That is a certainty. Um, But I don't know that I can speak on behalf of the company. But one thing that I, the reason I'm still here today is that I've seen uh, clients come in the door who were people that I disagreed with on a fundamental level. And I've seen our organization take, uh, you know, take a client who might be hurting someone or who might be someone I vehemently disagree with. And not work with them because they might be negatively impacting others. So for me, that's really, really important, and that's something that I find here to be really fulfilling—that we work with good people.
1: That's worth. I think you, somebody wanted to clap, and I think you should. <laughs> that was a good answer. Um, I don't want to harp on the art thing, but I have another question for yeah. you related to that. I As like a good <sighs> disagreement. No, Let's it's do. okay. It's okay. I don't. I don't know if that's a. No. There's no like war to be won on this one. Of like, no. I'm just curious of your thoughts. So. So for someone who is creating art to please a commercial company, whether that's a Hollywood studio, or there's so many examples we could go through if what makes art art then? Because because hearing what you said earlier made me wonder if maybe art, something is no longer called art once you strip your voice from it. I guess if it becomes so commercial that there's not enough of you in that thing that you created and therefore it turns into just another product. And I know there are a lot of studios and organizations and networks where, and it's just that there's the thing that the artist is passionate about and this is the thing that they wanna say and then there's the, we need to like, bring this down to the status quo to make it more commercially viable. At that point, does it no longer become art because too much of themselves is stripped from it? Is that what you believe?
0: I think the important thing is that anyone, I, I don't get to tell you what is art, right? I can tell myself what I think art is for me, but I think it's important that everyone gets to des, uh, define for themselves what they're putting out into the world. And I just happen to believe that I'm totally commerce and no art. But that doesn't mean that someone else who does my exact same job might not feel like they are putting out art into the world. That doesn't seem wrong at all. Um, But I would say my personal view is that if I'm putting something out there that expresses my inner point of view or something I want to say from the bottom of my heart, that is art. And if I'm putting out there something that um, I'm trying to achieve a client goal or I'm trying to perpetuate someone else's point of view, um, I would say I personally don't think that's art for myself. But I feel like that's a definition that everyone would define differently. And I think that's awesome. Yeah.
1: I mean, someone called you an art director. That's, and that's your title here. So that's uh, true. <laughs> there's something going on there. Uh, uh, do you have a point. There you go. Yeah. So it, it could be a specific project walk us through. <laughs> Sorry. Walk no, us through uh, something that what's, what's one of the challenges that you faced working on a project here that you feel like was one of your greatest learning experiences. Maybe it was a time that you felt overwhelmed and you had to go, you, like you felt stretched and then you got to the end of it and you're like, I can't believe we pulled that off. Like I learned a lot in that process um, in hopes that maybe we can pull some of those lessons out for ourselves so that we don't have to go through those same experiences completely or make some of the same mistakes or how can we learn from what you have learned based on one of your many challenges?
0: I feel like you've kind of just described all of ISL, which is that we specialize in taking these crazy projects that no one knows how they will come to fruition, even us, and we just work right through it and try to figure it out. And it always comes out completely different than we imagined, but so, so cool. So I feel like what I've learned working here is you're never going to know 100% how to do anything. It seems crazy. Then, like, life would be over. There's no challenge. Uh, You're going to have all these... Big, huge, scary projects. We just started one today uh, that looks hairy and big and so crazy uh, to figure out. But if we work hard enough and we try and we work together as a team and we have enough different disciplines working on something together, it's going to be awesome, even if it's scary and even if it's hard and even if we fail along the way. uh, It's going to turn out to be something really cool.
1: So would you say that there are things, there are projects that have come through the door that were seemingly impossible but have yet to actually... End up being impossible. You've always found a way.
0: 100%. Always found a way. Now, does that mean that we found a way to do it exactly the perfect way that would like make the world sing and halos appear? Definitely not, right? We've had late nights, and there have been uh, you know things fail all the time. The whole point of life is to figure out how to turn failure into learning and make something cool. Uh, So I would say it doesn't turn out perfectly ever, but it always turns out really fantastic.
1: So what does that say about the culture that you guys have built as an agency? Is there, would you say there's permission to fail here? It's a safe place where it's like, go for it. We'll see what happens.
0: I think that's really important. Uh, I think our, our team is so close and collaborative, and I don't feel fear here which is I feel like when you make your best work, when you know your ideas are terrible and you might have one kernel of something deep in there somewhere and your team and your creative director and your designers, like everyone's gonna figure it out together and strategy and everything is just kind of working together to make a good thing out of a bunch of terrible ideas and a couple of maybe half good ones. I'm
1: curious, the audience survey, how many of you feel fear in your place of work? Wow. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> a people raise two hands a little bit. Yeah. How do we do that? How do you how do you lead a company and help sort sort of from the inside out shift the culture from that place that we recognize like ah oh, sometimes this is fearful to this is a safe place. We're willing to try new things and we're willing to fail. How do we do that?
0: I think one way that it works really well here is that it's never. Your fault. Like you are that idea was bad because you are stupid. I feel like that's the the scariest thing, and it can be in creative pursuits. It can be so easy to say, "Man, the ideas you presented here like are pretty weak. You must be not that smart." But it's not that at all. You know, I mean, ideas are good or bad or nothing, and you just kind of see what happens with them as you play them out. And talking about different ways that something could come to life um, in a team is so fun. But the idea that you could come and just have no ideas or have 10 terrible ideas and no one will think less of you, they'll just think that you should go back and do another round fork um, is really, it's really rewarding to know that you're okay to have bad ideas. And if you have a half good idea, someone else is going to help you get it there.
1: Maggie's not kidding about feeling safe to bring bad ideas. Earlier the very day we recorded this, she says she took 10 possible headlines to her creative director, nine of which he called, and I quote, really bad. But that's the beauty of a collaborative environment, like the one she works at. The bad ideas, they're just the foundation for everyone to get to a good idea. Obviously you can't do what you do here at ISLO without collaboration. Give us a little nugget of wisdom or a process that you guys use. What's what's something about your creative process that would be, um, helpful advice for them if they want to learn how to collaborate more.
0: This is a new one, but recently we have been whiteboarding all over the place. We got a new meeting room and it has huge whiteboards. And the idea of writing out ideas, even if it's words and you're writing headlines and it feels tedious, to be able to see all of your thoughts in physical space on a board makes so much of a difference. You can see like, well, this one's pretty bad. Let me cross it out. And it feels so good to just cross it out. Or like, This all is terrible. I'm just going to erase it. Uh, But being able to really see your progress when so many of us are stuck on a tiny screen just like scribbling away in Evernote, it can be cool to get out and write huge on a whiteboard.
1: And is there something about teamwork then? Because instead of you having the idea in your head, you have to say it out loud and then it's actually up on the board. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's like a shared brain. So I can write down what I'm thinking and Cash can write down what she's thinking. And now we both look at it as we're thinking about uh, new, new ideas, which is like you're sharing... An entire brain space. It's really cool.
1: I love that. One of our recent story podcast episodes was um, our one of those like creative tips in five minutes or less, and it was it was called brain writing or something is what we joked around and called it because in the brainstorming process it's usually you stating your idea out loud, which is sometimes intimidating. And also the the larger personalities in the room sometimes have a tendency to dominate the conversation. And those who are quiet that aren't sure about their idea, they kind of get insecure Mm -hmm. and they keep them to themselves. And so this exercise of collaboration was basically going, instead of like brainstorming by saying things, brain speaking, Treat it as brain writing, and that way everyone gets a turn with the marker. Or you write an idea down on a piece of paper, and the pieces of paper get passed around the table, and everyone adds an idea to it. Um, but, but simply by making the shift from speaking to writing, now you get some of the ideas from that quieter person on your team that may not feel always the permission they need in order yeah. to speak up.
0: My favorite technique for brainstorming is something I learned um, at IDEO in a workshop, and it was that you set a timer for like two minutes and you have a stack of post-its for everybody, and you just have to scribble as many ideas as you can get. And if one of them isn't terrible, I like to think that if one of them isn't absolutely terrible and everybody laughs at you, then you haven't thought of enough ideas and you're not doing a good enough job. Because everybody should have a crazy idea that is just ridiculous. But getting to have everyone write it down, have that shy person who might not be able to speak up in a group of 20, but can write that idea down, see it on the board, and see that six other people had a similar idea really validates the concept.
1: Agreed, I love that. I have a final question for you before I ask. I wanna give you guys the opportunity to ask some questions if you'd like. Um, As you've been listening to this conversation, anything that you're thinking about, if so, I'll come out with the microphone, raise your hand. Um, Let's do a quick little short Q&A if you guys have any questions. Otherwise, I still have tons and I'll just keep asking them. Take your time if you need to, yeah.
0: Could you, I guess, just uh, walk us through logistically your creative process, like with the team, when you get a new project, how do you decide what direction you go in? How do you decide what people to bring in? How do you decide, I guess, like what process to go through? Is there like a specific, you know, concepting process you go through with different types of projects? I guess, yeah, if you could talk to that. I could, but before I do, are you talking about a specific type of project or just creative work in general? We do? Well, I would say first that it is different every single time, and second, that we do so many different kinds of work that there's no, I wouldn't say there's like one process that I default to every time we start um, a project, but I would say uh, one good way to go about it, in my opinion, um, is when we start a project, thinking about who should be on the team and then getting those people in a room and talking about what outcome we want to see from the project and what the client goals are and really starting with, um, starting with that creative brief to be able to walk backwards and say, okay, what should we do to achieve those goals and end outcomes for our client and for the audience? And then going crazy with concepting is always super fun, um, but making sure that you create a concept, something you can actually execute, crucial. We've definitely gotten in positions early on where we would come up with something this big with a budget this big and then you kind of try to smash them together and it does not work. Uh, so making sure every step of the way that the team is validating the idea against the brief and the budget and all of that is very important. And then just having fun. I don't know. I'm really into just doing stuff I want to do because it's fun.
1: <laughs> I would argue it's part of the reason you're good at it is because Thanks. you're doing stuff that you have fun doing. Yeah.
0: I've been on teams that do a really great job brainstorming where anything is possible. But then once you stick to an idea, they have a hard time executing that idea creatively without coming up with new things that we should have been talking about in the earlier stages. Is there stuff that you do to make that transition more smooth where you go from anything is possible to now how do we make this one thing as cool as we can? That's an interesting question. I feel like as soon as you stop the idea phase, all the ideas come, right? It's because you have decided that you will stop. And now like they're all, your brain is flooded with new cool ideas. Um, I think the, the trick is to kind of always keep going forward and then keep maybe a list or uh, like addendum in your team. Maybe it's a shared Google doc or file of like extra cool ideas and things that would have been really cool but we're kind of past that phase now. Um, that could be helpful and also just making sure that everyone kind of feels like they have the chance to share during that phase of the project so no one feels like, oh, I wanted to say this thing last week and now the time is over and I didn't get a chance um, is maybe helpful. But shared Google Doc, you'll be surprised how many times an idea that you have too late in the process for one project will come back as an awesome, awesome fit for the next project. That's great advice. Yeah, um, thank you so much for all that you've shared so far. This might be kind of a specific question, but I'm curious about your thoughts and ideas on uh, storytelling on social media. Uh, For those of us who are like really into social media, any like uh, tips and and kind of what you're seeing uh, really on the horizon in terms of storytelling on social media? That's interesting. For brands or personally?
1: I like how she said for those of us who are into social media. Is there anyone that, that like this includes or, and if you're not on social media, you at least feel the pressure to be, right? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question.
0: Um, personally, I don't love social media. I find it so hard to keep up with, but I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Um, I feel like the thing that I keep seeing when I'm like scrolling through Instagram or something is I wanna see someone's personal story. And I feel like so many people are trying to uh, impress all the time or only show the perfect thing. And I'm totally guilty of this too, right? It's like hard to share something that might be a little bit more personal or a little bit more authentic. Um, But I think from brands and from people, when we are scrolling through our feeds, we just want to see somebody's story about something we can relate to or maybe something we totally can't relate to. Like they're in Thailand on vacation and I've never been there and that just looks awesome. Um, But I think the overt selling that we might be able to get away with on TV or on other media does not work on social. You can scroll right by it. It's easy to see when someone is just trying to sell something. So really telling that story is so much more important um, when you're on social media, something people can just leave if they want to.
1: So by that, do you mean more authenticity in the stories that you tell on social? I think,
0: yeah. I think more authenticity in their stories and more from the heart. Um, The sales pitch just has to be totally different on social than it would in TV where you've got them captured for that 30 seconds. Um, It's such a different medium. So the role of storytelling is important in your product as you create it. But what's the role of storytelling in the pitch to the client? And how much time do you spend sort of crafting your ideas versus crafting the pitch? I'm so glad you asked that because that is my favorite part. Um, I spend a lot of time crafting ideas for a pitch. Our whole team, uh, we love to create the story to sell the work. It is so fun to think about how can I sell this to my client? Because you really have to think about is this a good idea? Will this meet their goals? And if so, why and how? And um, we write keynote decks. It's my favorite thing to do is write the argument for why something that we have... Uh, created will be good or smart or fit the goals um, that a specific client will bring to the table. We recently wrote this long, long argument about why I can't give this away because we haven't launched the thing. Ah, okay. We wrote an argument for why um, this one specific audience would respond positively to our approach uh, to launching this new company in a new market, and it was so. We ended up with a different concept than you might imagine and that we might have imagined in the beginning because we were trying to say, what is this audience going to think? How are they going to feel? And what do we need to speak to them? How are we going to speak to them to get them to do the thing we want them to do? And then how do we sell all of that to the client? So working backwards from the end of your idea uh, is almost the most important part because your idea will never come to fruition unless you can sell it to a client. I'm too excited about it. I'm going to get two in the weeds. We could do a whole
1: podcast interview just on that subject, I think. Oh, we could, yes. So I think you struck some gold in talking about the fear piece. Can you share a little bit more about how you guys have cultivated an atmosphere where there's no fear in your ideas?
0: Yes. Um, I would say, and I, this is for me personally, I don't know, everyone else could be terrified. I mean, it's not that I'm not terrified, um, but... I think when you have a team who trusts each other and who knows each other's capabilities beyond just maybe one conversation or one project, when you've worked together for a while and you can see what each other can do, it's easy to not ascribe uh, one specific shortcoming to a personal failure. And that's really, really important for the creative process because ideas can feel like they're yours. They can feel like your baby like something that you have created from your brain and it's the smartest thing you've ever thought of or said because you made it up. And then someone else says like, it's not gonna work at all. Like it it just doesn't line up with the brief. And you're kind of like gutted inside and you're like, oh, are are you saying I'm stupid? And you know, when you've worked with people for long enough, like they will say, no, of course I don't think that. I know you're very smart, you know, it's just that your idea is very bad. And being able to be (laughs) direct with people is such a good way to build trust. And it also is such a good way to get to good ideas. You know, Uh, you don't wanna just be telling if someone has a bad idea, being direct is the most helpful way to get to that moment when they have a great idea and you're stoked and you're over the top excited and everyone knows the idea is good and they're confident because you've told them when the idea is bad.
1: I, there's a key word that you said in there. I think it was probably trust, right? You said that there's a lack of fear among your team when we trust each other. And so, it's a, then, so then the real question becomes not how do we eliminate the fear, but how do we build trust in each other and your true capabilities and your ideas.
0: That's such a good point because I feel like uh, on my team, I I trust everyone so much that I never... The question is not, will this project get done? The question is, how awesome is it going to be? Is it going to be a regular amount or just like wonderfully fantastic in a way that we've never seen before? And I feel like that comes all from trust.
1: That's great. Let's just do maybe one or two more and... Uh, We're going to be around, so if we don't get to you, you can ask after we're finished. Do you raise your hand? Uh,
0: So working for an agency, you know, bottom line is pretty important. And uh, I think the world of data and A-B testing have really changed the expectations on creative and storytelling. And I'm just curious, do you have an approach or philosophy for how you, you vet creative ideas before making that upfront investment, knowing that your clients are going to expect a certain return at the end? That's a really good question. Um, I think it's really important to start with research when you're starting a new project to ground your ideas and insights and really make sure that you're not doing something because you think it's a good idea, but because the market thinks it's, you know, maybe it's perfect for the audience because it ties into something that is a deep insight from that audience. So really starting with data is the first thing I would say. But then being able to launch small and test and optimize is also crucial um, to not go all in on like the first time that you ever uh, launch a a brand new thing, but maybe there's a test market that you can start small and say like, what went really well, what went wrong? How can I optimize this before we launch it nationally? Um, Testing is so crucial and any way you can think of to quickly prototype, ask friends who are in the target audience, any method of testing is better than none.
1: So I think often when people are starting off, they say yes to any work that comes along, uh, but then eventually there's this phase where you start saying no to things. Um, so I was wondering how often does, do you, do I, does I Strategy Labs say no to things um, just because they're not a good fit or even if they have the money? And my other question was, do you have any uh, like empty copies of your creative brief that w- is available to the public? Um, I'd love to see like, the process you work through, um, like an unfilled creative brief, for example.
0: Easy answer to your second question is, I do not have a template. We kind of make it up as we go, at least I do, and I like it that way, but knowing what the crucial elements are does the job. Your first question saying no to work. Uh, It is not my role here to decide what we work on and what we don't, so I don't uh, do any of that. But from a personal perspective, I can tell you um, when I started out freelance design, uh, I said yes to everything 100%, and then you get to the point where you want to say no and you kind of want to balance like, is this something you're really excited about? Is this something that's going to make you enough money to keep doing what you want to do? And then is this something that you feel like you can execute given the constraints that you've been given? And weighing all of those things when making that decision is going to be really crucial in making sure it's a good use of your time.
1: So many hands to get to. So little time. Let's do just one final question. Someone here had their hand up earlier. Yeah, let's go back there. Yeah, we're not. Better be good, it's the last one. Ooh, pressure. Creative burnout. How do you work on that process? Like, you're serving other people, you have deadlines, you have to come up with ideas. Like, how do you rest and how do you make sure you're not burned out? And if you get to that point,
0: how do you feel like you can come back? That's a good question. Um, This past week, we worked over 70 hours on a pitch um, for a new client. And I definitely felt exactly what you're saying. I was tired and the work was really cool. But, you know, at a certain point, you just want to go home and see your dog. And that's normal. Um, One thing we do here is that if we work through the whole weekend, we try to take some time off uh, right afterward just to, like, sleep and recharge. Because we all know that if we push ourselves too hard, our best work's just not going to happen. So, for example, we worked Saturday, Sunday, which is very unlike us. And then Monday I left mid-afternoon and just put on my pajamas and kinda went to sleep. And that was awesome and great. And I feel recharged now. Uh, So I think it's important to just make sure you're balancing it. It's one thing to crank for a deadline. We're always gonna have deadlines in the creative industry, any industry. Uh, But being able to really take care of yourself in crucial moments to make sure you can get through. And then that you're staying happy is really important.
1: Did you catch that last part? Staying happy is really important. Maggie understands that this work isn't just about making the client happy, it's about making yourself happy too, with your own story, and that can look different for everyone. In fact, it probably should look different for everyone. But the big thing is to take your eyes off the process every now and then, or better yet, you find a different process, shake up your routine, recharge. If you don't do that, you might end up losing sight of just how important what you do really is. If you could choose one thing that you hope that they all know based on your life and creative experience up until this point, what would you hope they know as they go into the world and tell stories?
0: I would hope they know how powerful our abilities are and how important it is to make sure that they're doing, their they're telling a story in a way that they really want to be out there in the world. Because once we start and we do a project and we put it out there, it's going to be used by real people. This is like not a thing that we just do for ourselves. This is the thing we do for the world. Uh, so making sure that that's something that makes people smile or helps people enjoy a product that they might not have known about, um, but that doesn't hurt people, I think is really important. And using stories to create empathy and create human connection is the biggest and highest power of a story. So, hoping that people will use their stories to do that.
1: That's worthy of applause. We you help me thank Maggie for being here? Thank well you, done. Harris.
0: Thank you. This so was much. great. That was so awesome. Thank
1: you, so awesome. I think we all hope that people will use their stories to do that. Because, like she said, we are powerful and so are our stories. Remember, you have a story and your story matters. Uh, To learn more about Maggie and her work and her story, you can check her out at Maggie.is. That's just Maggie.is. Pretty cool domain. And if you're curious about the work that ISL is doing, check them out at isl.co. They're seriously a legit agency crushing it in DC. So much fun. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Story Podcast and just being a part of this community. If you haven't reviewed or rated the show on iTunes or wherever you listen, we appreciate that so much. It's a huge help to us. And if you haven't yet, now is the time to purchase your Story 2018 conference ticket. Trust me, this is going to be the best story yet. Our theme this year is incredible and hits home to so many of my own personal passions. If there's a year not to miss story, this is the one. So if you're on the fence at all, head over to story2018.com, that's story2018.com. Check out the lineup, the speakers I've worked on projects like The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Black Panther, Chef's Table, Gosh, the list just goes on and on. That's just a few of them. I personally, myself, cannot wait to learn from them. And I'd love to meet you there. So don't forget story2018.com. As always, I'm Harris III. Thank you guys so much for listening to the story podcast.